today on Let the Bible Speak. If we were created by a God who loves us and placed us on this earth for a short time with only one life to live here, wouldn't He want us to be happy? Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. It's a great joy to be with you today. I hope you've had a good week, and I'm thankful that you've chosen to start the new week off by studying the Word of God and centering your mind upon that which is spiritual and eternal. I don't believe there's a better investment of our time such as this. I have a question today. Does God want you and me to be happy? That may seem like a strange question, but it's a question that some people ask. Some people ask the question cynically thinking that if God really wanted them to be happy, then why does He allow bad things to occur or to happen to them? If God wanted them to be happy, He would smooth the road and give them a primrose path to walk down through life. That's how some people reason. Others ask the question presumptuously. In other words, they decide they want something or that they want to live a certain way, and then they justify their behavior by asking, doesn't a loving God just want us all to be happy? Well, the short answer to the question, does God want you to be happy, is yes, of course. But you see, God's definition of happiness and your definition or my definition of happiness may be entirely different things. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 13 says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. Well, this is one of many passages that uses a word that is translated happy, But we want to ask the question today, what is happiness? And is that God's ultimate desire for you and for me? The answer may surprise you. We'll turn to God's Word for the answers in just a moment after a song from the congregation. There are many, many things on the journey that I never could understand. They were far beyond my youth and conception, so it must be God's mighty hand. Many times I 
you ever heard someone justify a decision that involves sin by saying, well, this can't be wrong because this makes me happy, and well, doesn't God just want me to be happy? It's one of the most common excuses people make today in this rather shallow, self-centered, and narcissistic era that we're living in. A man leaves his wife, or a wife leaves her husband for another person. Now, according to the Word of God, that's adultery, Matthew 19 and verse 9. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 10, that adulterers will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But the guilty party will often say, well, yes, but I'm not happy with my husband or wife, and this other person makes me so happy. Well, I don't think God wants me to be miserable, so surely He'll understand, if not approve. Others will try to justify other uh, sinful relationships and sexual behaviors in the same way, and just about any other kind of practice or lifestyle that they say makes them happy. Well, instead of remembering and fearing the holiness and righteousness of God, what we've done is we've turned God into an all-benevolent, easy-going genie in a bottle who considers our wishes as His commands. The fact is God doesn't approve of any behavior or lifestyle that violates what is written in His Word. So does that mean God wants us to be unhappy? Does God find some fiendish joy in denying us our pleasures and our happy pursuits in life? Well, the short answer is no. God doesn't set out to deny us pleasure, and He doesn't desire for us to lead miserable lives. Rather, God wants us to live lives of true and abundant joy and of peace and live in a state of blessedness. Paul said to the Romans, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 15, verse 13. It isn't that God doesn't want us to be happy. He does want us to be happy. But you see, we often mistake physical and temporary pleasure for happiness. Worst of all, could it be that we are referring to lust, greed, and selfishness when we speak of so-called happiness? You see, God absolutely wants us to be happy, according to the true definition of the term. But, what the, happen but the happiness that God desires for us to have is entirely different, and it far exceeds the shallow and fleeting felicity that we often call happiness today. The Lord wants us all to possess what the Bible characterizes as blessedness, and there is a big difference between the world's idea of happiness and what the Bible describes as a state of blessedness or happiness. Now, counterfeit happiness is based on circumstances and fleeting emotions. Joy, on the other hand, is deep and abiding and unshakable. The person who finds pleasure in drinking and drugs, they experience that pleasure when they're drunk or when they're high, but not so much when the ugly consequences of these vices appear. The fallout that accompanies drunkenness and drug addiction isn't pleasant. And the beer companies and the liquor companies, they don't show you that. They put ads on television that depict a life of uh, drinking uh, as the high life, the good life, the life of fun, the life of friends and frivolity. But they don't show you the twisted and mangled uh, wreckage of cars out on the highway. They don't show you the man who comes home, the alcoholic who comes home from uh, work and beats his wife. They don't show you the children who cry themselves to sleep because their home is broken and because they don't have a, a happy home to live in because of alcohol and drugs and perhaps other reasons. You see, a night out on the town where the booze are flowing may seem like a good time at the time, but what about when someone destroys their marriage, their children, 
their career through addiction or when someone is killed in an accident or when drug use leaves a person destroyed or alcoholism leaves a liver filled with cirrhosis and a body that's wasted. The wise man said in Proverbs 13 verse 15, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors, that is the, the way or the life of a sinner is hard. Someone says, well that adulterous affair and marriage makes me happy, but what about when you're betrayed by the adulterer you've chosen? You see, there's temporary pleasure, but there is no real happiness in sin. Sin doesn't bring ultimate fulfillment. It certainly doesn't bring eternal happiness and fulfillment, quite the opposite. I'm very likely talking to someone right now that your life is a wreck. Broken and discarded marriages, problems and heartache from children who are the victims of those broken homes and foolish decisions, shattered dreams, a bleak and hopeless future. And if you're honest, you can see how sin deceived you. Oh, it promised happiness, but you don't have any real happiness. There's no joy and peace in your heart today. That's because sin doesn't produce those things. The way of the transgressor is hard. True peace and true joy, on the other hand, come from things with eternal value and a right relationship with God. The rich, pleasure-seeking King Solomon learned that lesson. The preacher wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 14, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Now, if you want to see what the wise man describes as the fulfilling life that ended up leading to emptiness and frustration, just flip over to chapter 2 and he tells us what he means by seeing all the works under the sun. Beginning in verse 1 he says, I said in my heart, Go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water, to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold, and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers, and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments, and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Now what a life. Many would say, what an enviable life. Here he describes a life where he had everything he ever wanted. He had everything that he thought his heart desired and could bring him happiness and pleasure and peace and joy and all of those things. But look at what he concluded in verse 11. He says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. You see, our world leads us to believe that happiness and blessedness come from money, an exciting career, fame perhaps, 
some sexual relationship, possessing good health, or just a life that goes according to all of our dreams and plans. But relationships fall apart. Health slips away. Money can vanish overnight. Fame is nothing more than a passing fad. And the wise King Solomon learned that to chase these things in pursuit of happiness is like chasing after the wind. But you see, a right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, plants a joy in our hearts that circumstances, other people, trials, calamities, and other things can never take away. That's why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 10, As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Now that's the kind of happiness God wants you to enjoy. It doesn't depend upon circumstances. It doesn't depend upon money. It depends upon your relationship with God, the hope of eternal life, the peace that comes with all of that. The Bible uses a word that is sometimes translated as happy, and that's the word blessed. Jesus wants us to be blessed. That's His idea of happiness. He wants us to live in a state of blessedness. And I can assure you that doesn't come through adultery, fornication, or living in any other kind of sin. Jesus never taught blessed are those who ignore the teaching of Scripture and do whatever they think will make them happy. Rather, He gave the keys to blessedness when He preached His famous Sermon on the Mount. And he began that great sermon by stating the Beatitudes, eight great statements that pointed to life in the kingdom and to a right relationship with God. Did you know when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 11, Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He was saying, happy are the poor in spirit, happy are they that mourn, happy are the meek, happy are those that hunger and thirst after the things of God, happy are the merciful, and so forth. Now, not many people would read Jesus' list of Beatitudes and say that sounds like happiness. The poor in spirit, the meek, the merciful, the persecuted, how in the world would those things describe a happy life? But when you stop to think about it, they do. Because when we truly imbibe those truths and principles and make them part of our heart and life, they root out some terrible and destructive things. They root out selfishness, unholy pride, hatefulness, bitterness, wickedness, all of those things that bring such misery in the world around us. Those things don't bring happiness. They destroy happiness. But now, the Beatitudes are not some list of light and fluffy platitudes that are just basically saying, be a nice person. That's not what the Beatitudes are about at all. They're kingdom pointers. They're describing the kind of person who seeks the kingdom of God and finds it and lives within it, who seeks to know the truth, who seeks a right relationship with God and thus with others. And he therefore obtains a state of blessedness. This kind of happiness is not something that you have to be rich or famous or fortunate to enjoy. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. Every single person listening to me today, regardless of station in life or circumstance that you may be in now or any, at any other time, every single person can have this kind of happiness. You can live in this state of blessedness. Many down through the stream of time have. Their life has proven the truth of these words. 
not by living for self, for selfish lusts, for selfish pleasures, for selfish desires, but for living for the things that last and that bring eternal riches and reward. You see, Jesus was pointing people beyond when He taught these principles. This series of Beatitudes or Blessings, they're paradoxes by our way of thinking. Every one of them are the direct opposites of the worldview of most people today and throughout time. When one reads these statements of Jesus, they may think they describe some pitiful soul who does without, has no happiness, therefore is self-tormented, wastes their life in unfulfilled possibilities and opportunities. Uh, to those of Jesus' day who were expecting a far different kind of messianic kingdom than what Jesus really came to usher in, these principles sounded like anything but the way to exercise dominion in this world, which is what they were after as a people. And that's the world's and some professing Christians' ideas still today. But Jesus is saying that these are the keys to discovering and entering His kingdom, a spiritual and eternal kingdom. Jesus is not saying that pleasure, enjoyment, and happiness are wrong in and of themselves, but rather what He's doing is He's pointing us to something far more concrete, far better, far beyond the things that the world offers and lives for. He is illustrating what few of us see, and that is that a humble heart which leads to a spiritual life and a life of obedience to God, submission to Christ, that results in eternal and lasting pleasure and peace. Whereas the heart centered on selfish desire and ambitions will ultimately end in an eternal state of unhappiness and pain. But now that's the deceitfulness of sin. Jesus is teaching that, through the temp that though the temporary plight of the righteous may be difficulty, deprivation, even death, though this path may lead to problems, pain, and sorrow in the short term, they lead to real, meaningful, and lasting joys in life here and in eternity beyond. Now friend, you'll never Regardless of what choices you make in life, you will never have a life free of problems. You decide not to live for the Lord in search of happiness. If you want to go that way, you're not going to have a life free of problems and difficulty. You're going to have problems in life. You're going to have sorrows. You're going to have difficulties. But you see, the worldview and philosophy of the world offers nothing beyond that. It offers nothing beyond the short term, the here and the now, this brief little life, the truths of Jesus' kingdom. They stand forever. They're unshakable. But the devil tries to blind us to all of that. And in contradicting the common worldview of man, Jesus is showing that what the world is living for and aiming for is shallow, temporary, and ultimately fraught with sorrow and disappointment. The wisdom of Jesus is expressed in His teachings and commandments is from above and is concrete, and the joy it brings is unshakable. The wisdom by which the world operates is vain. And it is ultimately destructive. And we're wise if we see that and if we seek the kingdom of heaven. So listen to Jesus again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. I think that means one who mourns over his sin and his broken condition in the eyes of God. Why? For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Why? For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? For they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Why? 
for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? For they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's blessedness, you see. Believe it or not, that's happiness. That's joy. Being a child of God, knowing your ultimate purpose and destiny, regardless of the uncertain changes and challenges of this short, toil-stricken life, that's joy, that's peace, that's fulfillment. No matter where you've been and what kind of life you've lived up until now, your life may be a wreck, your past littered with failure and regret, and there's not one bit of peace and certainty in your heart today. There's a gaping void in your heart and in your life You've exchanged the happiness and the blessedness of knowing God for the passing pleasures of sin as Moses learned that were but for a season. Look what he gave up because he realized the pleasures of sin were only for a season. He sought the eternal. God wants you to be happy, but you won't know that happiness outside of His perfect and His holy will. When you use your imagined happiness as an excuse to sin and evade the will of God, you're not making Him your God. You're doing what Paul said of those who are enemies of the cross of Christ in Philippians chapter 3, verses 19 through 20, when he said, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. God wants you to be happy, but sin and unrighteousness is not where that happiness is found. A life of living for self and pleasure is not where it's found. Having your sins forgiven, being a new creature in Christ, born again, a clean conscience, and an eternal hope and a purposeful and meaningful life in the meantime, that, my friend, is where happiness is found. And it's found in the light of His Word and in fellowship and agreement with Him.
Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all of our past broadcasts plus extra videos including Let the Bible Speak Classics all the way back to the 1960s. And get new updates, go to YouTube and search for Let the Bible Speak TV and click on subscribe. Connect with us on social media. Go to Facebook.com and search for Let the Bible Speak TV. This very day, you can come to know true peace, joy, contentment in your life. And you can enjoy this state of blessedness that our Savior talked about so long ago. You can only enjoy that by finding and entering and living in His kingdom, living by the principles of His kingdom. And if we can assist you in your search for the truth, if we can assist you in your search for His kingdom and help you in entering His kingdom by obedience to the gospel, it would be our joy to baptize you into Christ. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ and you're ready to repent of your sins and confess His name and take that step of entering into Christ in baptism. Jesus said that only those who are born of water and of the Spirit will enter into the kingdom. And He said in Mark 16 and verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. We hope that you'll take those steps this very day and begin living in the kingdom and living uh, for the Lord Jesus and finding this state of blessedness. If you'd like a free copy of our lesson, we'll be happy to send you a printed copy. Simply get in touch with us and ask for the lesson, Does God Want Me to Be Happy? And we'll send that copy to you as quickly as we can. Thank you for joining us on the program today. I hope that you'll mark your calendar for next week to join us if the Lord wills for another time of Bible study. Tell others about our program in the meantime and find us online at ltbstv.org and we're on social media, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. So be sure to subscribe and follow and like those various pages and platforms and keep up with us that way. Thank you for joining me today. I hope to see you again next time, again, if God is willing. Until then... May the Lord keep you safe and may He bless you according to His will and according to His word. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.